Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 297 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by the former heavyweight world title challenger himself, my good friend, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, my man? I'm good, my brother. How are you? Always, always good when speaking with you. We're going to try to whiz through this show as quick as possible. Uh, We're going to start here with the review part as ever, but this time we're going to start in the Universum Gym in Hamburg, Germany, over here. Um, return to the ring for Felix Sturm. A win for him. He's now 42-5 and five with three draws. A unanimous decision win over 10 rounds against James Craft, who was undefeated 19-0 and 0 with a draw. Now 19-1 and 1 with a draw. Um, this one was on Fight TV. They gave me a code to watch the fight for free. And I also was able to give away a code. They gave me an extra code to give away to to um you know to to one of my followers so I did that that was pretty cool on the undercard as well heavyweight Senad Gashi lost as well he's now 21 and 4 a man that's been in there with a few bigger name guys he lost to a guy that perhaps could be someone to to look out for Hussein Mohammed who's now 17 and 0 that was for the vacant WBC international silver heavyweight title elsewhere on the undercard Vincent Feigenbutz now 33 and 3 um, a KO for him in round nine against the Teak Tough Nuhu Lawal, who's now twenty-seven and nine. Um, interesting fight, really, because something was up with Feigenbutz throughout the fight. You could see that. Um, he seemed to be in a lot of distress in the corner between rounds. His main corner man was standing directly in front of him, blocking the grimace on his face from his opponent um, or his opponent's corner, seeing. The, the the discomfort he was in. He looked like he wanted to quit every single time that, that a round had ended. Credit to him for getting the knockout, by the way. Lowell, like we know, is a tough guy. He doesn't normally get stopped. He did get him in the end. Moving out now to a, a card that took place in Mexico. Um, boy, oh boy. Uh, I know that Ramon Alvarez was able to beat Omar Chavez. Um, that was an you know a fight that... Um, Ramon Alvarez, the brother of Canelo, was able to avenge that loss to Chavez from a few years ago. Chavez being one of the um, the sons of Julio Cesar Chavez Senior. Um, Julio Cesar Chavez Senior himself was on the card. He you know he fought in an exhibition against Hector Camacho Junior. But the disappointment on the card, Eddie, boy oh boy, Julio Cesar Chavez Junior loses on points to Anderson Silva, forty six years of age. Um, UFC vet who hadn't boxed for 16 years. One of the most embarrassing things for the sport of boxing that I can, I can remember. Probably this ever happened in history. Um, I just don't know what to say about that one. <laughs> I 
Washington too. You know what it is, man. I, no disrespect, and I don't, and I don't intend to be disrespectful. But it's, it's really, it's. I'm, I don't like. I hate the comparisons of you know. Oh, you know, if you boxer fighting UFC, UFC going into Dubai. It, it's just, it's annoying, and it's like, it's, it's hard to listen to sometimes when you're hearing guys trying to defend their particular sport. At the end of the day, if a real guy gets in with a real guy, we already know what's going to happen. I'm happy for Anderson Silva. I'm actually, he was one of my favorite. Uh, uh, MMA guys to uh, follow over the years. I'm actually really like this style in MMA. Great striker, always really confident, good with his hands and feet, and he was good on the ground too. I mean, I, I really, really liked Anderson Silva. That was my favorite, my favorite, Pro probably all time. But um, uh, as far as boxing is concerned, Chavez Jr. is supposed to be able to dominate him. No, no disrespect to him, even though he, you know, was a good striker in MMA. But he was still one and one as a pro, as a, as a pro fighter. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to say that he's not, he doesn't have skills or he doesn't know how to box. He's been in the gym for years. Of course he knows how to box. Of course he knows. He needs to know how to box so he can, you know, fare well on his feet in, in MMA. But that's different. Chavez Jr. is supposed to be able to take advantage of that. But I just don't think he takes it serious enough. You know what I mean? He's just constantly missing weight. He, he just doesn't respect. He missed, he missed weight for this as well. You know that, right? I know. That's why I say he's constantly missing weight. Yeah. He's just disrespecting the sport too much, and that's why he keeps getting disrespected himself. Every time he gets in there, he's looking like more and more like a puncher bag. And I never like to talk about fighters in a negative way. And I'm I'm not saying this to to down him. My thing is, I feel like he could probably have beat Anderson Silva if you know a 46 year old Silva, especially if he's taking this seriously. You know what I mean? Maybe he was thinking, oh, I mean, this is an MMA guy. I'm just gonna walk in here, probably train for a couple times a week and drink and smoke the rest of the week and still be able to beat him. And I, I get that. You feel like it was not going to be a challenge. But these guys, these other guys don't, aren't thinking of it like that. Anderson Silva's training. He really wants to win. So when he steps in that ring, he's looking for his respect as a boxer. So you got to come in with that same mentality. And I think that's what the, the problem with guys like, the, well, this guy in particular, he showed a history of just not being respectful to the game. And if you don't respect the game, then it's not going to respect you, and that's why you got the loss. Yeah, you had to sacrifice a hundred thousand dollars for coming in overweight. Um, that's a large amount of money that myself and Eddie wouldn't have mind minded um, getting donated to the uh, to the pocket fund, but um, <laughs> we wouldn't have said no. <laughs> um, but no, say that again, Eddie. <laughs> Missing weight, Mr. Chavez, and keep putting money in our pockets. <laughs> um, but no, it seemed like he didn't try in the fight. I mean, he was he was backed up the whole night by, like I say, a 46-year-old who hadn't boxed for 16 years. Like I say, one of the most embarrassing things to happen uh, in boxing history. Um, after the Mayweather pool stuff to this, I, I just can't take any more of this. Uh, they need to they need to suspend his license. He, he's an embarrassment to boxing to his country and perhaps more importantly his father, who by the way saved the day by looking pretty good at about sixty something years of age. I think he is. Anyway, leaving that alone, thank God. Let's move out now to the Double Tree Miami Mart Hotel in Florida, USA. Over here, the lady that was on last week's show, Melissa Odessa Parker. She's now five and zero. Oh, 
A unanimous decision over seven-time world title challenger Callista Silgado. I think that's the eighth time she's boxed for a world title now. She's now 19 and 13 with three draws. Um, like I say, 10, uh, 10 rounds, two minutes each round. Unanimous decision for Parker. She's now the new IBO world female bantamweight champion. 5-0, perfect record. Moving out now to the Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas, Nevada. Over here... Um, Starting with the undercard, a good fight between Adam Lopez um, and, and Isaac Dogbe. Adam Lopez now 15 and 3, Isaac Dogbe now 21, sorry, 22 and 2. A majority decision after 10 rounds. Very, very good fight. Um, you know, a really good fight, actually. Probably going to get overlooked in terms of the weekend and this coming weekend because there are so many fights on, but. Definitely a fantastic fight, and I really thought that in the last three rounds, Dog Bay was in huge trouble. Trouble from Lopez. Lopez was all over him. Um, Dog Bay, I think, started the fight really well, and for me, definitely deserved to win the fight. But it was very close in the end, and yeah, Lopez is a is a very tough guy. Um, elsewhere on the card, Michaela Maya moved to 15 and 0. That was a defense of her WBO Super Featherweight World Title against Erica Farias, who's now 26 and 5. Um, the main event, though, the monster himself, Naoya Inoue, now 21 and 0 with 18 KOs. Another early knockout for him. Round three against Michael Das Marinas. Now 30 and three with a draw. It was four Inoue's WBA and IBF bantamweight world titles. He was destructive, man. That left hook to the body is brutal, and every time he threw it was was with a lot of intent to to do serious damage. The first one I think had. Um, das Marinas down. I think it was the first round he was down, and then he, you know, he kept looking up at the clock. He got he got through the round. There was only a few seconds to go. He kind of got saved by the bell. I think the same thing really happened in the second round. I don't think he was down in the second round, but he was in a lot of trouble again. Um, and yeah, the third round he was down. I think a couple times from that left hook. Every time he'd try and defend it, Inoue would say, "Okay, I'll throw a left hook to your head instead." And he just couldn't take it. And like I say, to finish him off with that body with that body shot was was brutal. A bad, bad man with bad intentions. Um, brutal left hook to the body. I mean, he picks his punches like a computer game. It's unbelievable. He had his man down. Um, you know, three times in total. Only about 20 seconds left in the round, um, I think, in the you know in in the third and final round. But the the guy just he just couldn't deal with it. Unbelievable puncher for that weight. I just don't see a weakness with Inoue. He's got the speed, the power, the IQ, the grit. He's got a chin. We saw that against Nanito Donaire. I don't see how he can be beat unless he were to perhaps you know get get hit. By a really big puncher, and Don Air is pretty much the big puncher at, at those kind of weights. There's, there's no one really that hits harder than him. I don't know who can beat the guy. Um, but yeah, Don Air was sat ringside as well. He's now boxing John Real Casemiro. He stepped in instead of um, Guillermo Rigondo. That's going to be a unification there, and the winner um, hopefully is in line to fight Inoue. I know that's a fight that Don Air really wants. That rematch there. Moving out now to the Don Haskins Center in El Paso, Texas, USA, over here on the zone. Because I think on Saturday there was five cards 
uh, one on Fight TV, one on The Zone, one on Showtime, one on ESPN, and then the Mexican one with with Chavez, all on one evening. Um, the undercard. Let's go over it real quick. Blair Cobbs with a win. He's now 15 and 0 with a draw. A TKO in round five against Brad Sullivan, who's now 29 and 4. Um, I think he did really well, Cobbs, to get his man out of there because Salomon can be quite crafty. He's got a lot of experience. Um, I thought that one would probably go the distance, and I thought it was a tough fight on paper, really, because Blair Cobbs hasn't always come through his fights unscathed. I felt that that would, would, would be quite a good test, but in the end, uh, really impressive from Cobbs, I think. Elsewhere on the card, Ibef Zamora Silva, now 32-7. and seven. She... Um, was able to put down in the first round Marlon Esparza, but Marlon Esparza got back up and ended up winning, winning a unanimous decision over 10 two-minute rounds. She's now 10-1. and one. She took away the WBC female flyweight title away from her opponent. She was the underdog as well going in Esparza. Um, that was a good fight, but hey, I'm sure you must have seen this one, Eddie, or at least a clip of it. Bektamir... Melikuziev, 7-0 with 6 KOs, stepped in against Gabriel Rosado. Boy, yeah. oh boy. For the WBA Continental America's super, uh, super middleweight title and the vacant WBO International super middleweight title, Rosado down in the first round. Um, that was a fight, by the way, that I put quite a lot of money on Rosado to lose on points because he's a tough guy. I didn't think he'd get stopped, but the money that people were putting on this guy to knock Rosado out, I couldn't believe it. Like there was really good money. It was like four to one or five to one for for Rosado to to lose on points, which I thought was probably going to end up happening before the fight. Of course, um, like I say, down in the first round, every punch that Melikuziev threw was with bad intentions, the body shots were brutal, and straight away, when Rosado took a knee in that first round, I thought, oh god, this is this is going to end badly, um, but yeah, he ends up scoring a knockout of the year contender, and I just couldn't believe it, no one could believe it, no one could see that coming, um, he was getting smashed up, really, by Melikuziev, he was down in the first, like I say, Rosado himself, not known for his power, the, the the timing on that punch was to perfection. Um, it's the first real time that Melikuzi ever has been hit back, though, as a pro. Um, I thought Rosado would, would be quite pumped up, considering he arguably beat Daniel Jacobs last time out. But I did not expect this, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think he deserves a world title shot now. <laughs> Eddie, what did you make of the KO? Man. <laughs> And it, it kind of, the way it was thrown, you remember when Wilder fought, um, uh, what's his name again? Spilka. Yeah. And he caught him and he came in, kind of reminded me of that, but I think it was, a, <laughs> no disrespect to Deontay Wilder, but I think it was thrown a little better and just caught him clean, perfect time. And you couldn't have done it. You couldn't have, like, I don't, it's hard when you look at stuff like that, it's like, damn. Did he plan on throwing that, or he just said the hell with it and threw it? You know what I mean? I had I had a knockout similar to that, not necessarily in that same way. Like you know, guy was going backwards, but I caught him perfect early in the fight on the first round, and he just was gone. 
You know what I mean? It's just, and I honestly was going to throw a left hook and last minute changed my mind. And I guess I was so confused that he was confused. Or not so confused. I say I was confused. But he didn't know what I was going to throw. And I didn't even freaking know what I was going to throw. And then boom, it landed perfect. But the shot that he threw, man, that was a, that was a, that was a, it was a perfect shot. It was a home run shot, but it wasn't thrown like that. You know what I mean? Certain guys literally close their eyes and just swing for the fences. It looked like he, it actually looked like that was pretty much timed and perfect. But man, you know what I mean? And then look. You know, everybody's talking about Gabriel Rosado needs to quit. He needs to let it go. He's taking too much punishment. Then, boom, he lands this, this kind of shot on this kind of guy. Supposed to get him out of there or supposed to at least beat him by decision. But now now he's back in the, he's back in the swing of things again. It's just how quick boxing uh, boxing can change. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But, no, the, the knockout reminded me a little bit of Pacquiao Marquez when Pacquiao got, yeah, got knocked that's out. Another, yeah. That's another – very similar to that too. The reason why I said the Wilder one is because the way he was coming in and got caught on that side, you know what I mean? And it was just wow. It was it was. I was like, damn! I had to look at it a few times. And I didn't because I didn't. You know, you know. I heard about. I heard he was fighting somebody, and then of course, you know, my guy Johnny calls me and starts jumping on me about, man, why you ain't fighting? Look at what he just did. And I'm like, man, you can't get excited about everything. And then you see and think and think that somehow means that I need to be doing something different. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. I would love to have the opportunity, but it's ain't about me. It's about Gabe Rosado. And what he did was great. He put himself in position now to get another opportunity to make a living. That's great. Happy for him. Yeah, I'm pleased for him. I've been a little bit of a detractor of Rosado in the past, but I've got to say, you can't deny how good he's been lately to arguably beat Jacobs with no crowd. And then, of course, to, to do this to a to a really, really bright prospect. Unbelievable. Um, definitely one of the best knockouts of 2021. Elsewhere on the card, Jaime Munguia, now 37-0. and 0. He was able to make his opponent, Camille Serrameta, retire on his store after six rounds. Um, Serrameta now 21-2. and 2. Um, Munguia wanted, I guess, the knockout quicker than Golovkin. I think Golovkin got him out in round seven, but this time Serrameta didn't even want to come out for that round. Um, a, a defense there for Munguia um, of his WBO Intercontinental middleweight title. I felt that Munguia was really, really impressive. Um, he made a bit of a statement. Um, it has to be said, Serrameta only had two weeks' notice for the fight. I particularly like Munguia's stabbing jab to the body. It was a thing of beauty for me. He he threw and landed every punch in the book on 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 the gutsy Serrameta, and he, he just got beat down in the end. Like I say, retired on his stall. Bit of a quit, but who cares? Um, he was he was getting a beating, but I liked what I saw from Munguia. It seemed a little bit more educated than than you know than other outings that he's been involved in um yeah really 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 um impressed with that performance there that's made me want to see a few big fights for him at middleweight which he's now up at uh, moving out now to the toyota center in houston texas usa over here on the undercard a win for miguel flores friend of the show now 24 sorry 25 and 4 that was a split decision over eight rounds well wow, didn't know that against a guy who was 15 and 17 with four draws that's not a good look Elsewhere on the card, Isaac Cruz Gonzalez, now 22-1 with a draw. A unanimous decision win for him over 10 against Francisco Vargas, now 27-3 with two draws. I thought there could be an upset there. Turns out it was wide in the end for 
Isaac Cruz Gonzalez. Elsewhere on the card, friend of the show, Angelo Leo. He bounced back from his loss to Stephen Fulton with a good win. He's now 21-1. It was a majority decision win over 10 against Aaron Alameda. Got to admit, I missed the fight. Um, Aaron Alameda now 25-2. Two losses in a row now for Alameda. One to Luis Neri. One here to Angelo Leo. No real shame in those losses. Uh, both, you know, world champions. And the main event, Jamal Charlo, now 32-0. A unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Juan Macias Montiel, now 22-5 with two draws. A defense there of Charlo's WBC middleweight um, world title. I felt that Charlo was a little bit too patient early on. Um, I think he did pick his shots well, though, I guess. He hurt Montiel. He had him ready to go. The bell saved Montiel a couple times when he was in trouble throughout the fight in the early in the early rounds. Um, it was kind of shocking though to see him let Montiel back in the fight and even start getting backed up late on in the fight. It didn't seem to me like the same Charlo that knocked out a Julian J Rock Williams those years ago. Something. I don't know, something didn't look right about Charlo. He was cut as well for the first time in his career. This guy was very basic, tough, and, you know, supposedly a big puncher on paper. But it had me thinking, if this guy's power was really legit... This, you know, this this could be dangerous for Charlo. Some people saying it was a life and death fight. I've read that on Twitter. Absolutely not. You know, he won every round, Charlo. But I had a sneaky suspicion it was going to go to points. And the odds on that were, were huge. I only put a small little stake on it. But, um, yeah, I, I could see it coming for some reason. I don't know what it is. Charlo, I, I don't know what it is. I just thought, you know what? I don't think he's been getting many knockouts lately. I think it could go the distance, and it did. Um, but, yeah, I don't want to go in on him too much because I don't think it was that bad of a performance. But, um, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, not as impressive. I'd like to see him against Mungia. Brilliant fight. I'd like to see him in with with um, a Daniel Jacobs. Brilliant fight. I'd like to see him in with a Demetrius Andrade. You know, someone needs to fight that guy at some point. But yeah, that's it for that. The final thing for me to do, that is the end of the review part of the show. The final thing for me to do before we wrap up part one is to welcome our first guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the fabulous Mexican flyweight contender. It is, of course, Miss Salem Urbina. Salem, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. I'm absolutely excited to have you on as well. So, Salem, tell me and my listeners just a little bit about your your background, how you uh, perhaps got into boxing in the first place, for those that don't know. Well, um, I started boxing when I was just uh, 10 years old. My two older brothers started attending a local boxing club, and um, little sister tagged along. I'm the only uh, daughter of the family, so I have four brothers. And I always felt like I needed to prove that I was strong and like them, you know. And so I tagged along and I fell in love with boxing. Unfortunately, it was short-lived because my mother, you know, traditional Mexican mother, she said, uh, you're not going to be boxing. Um, this isn't for girls. You're going to stay home with me and help me with chores at home. So I only did like a couple of fights when I was a kid. And then at the age of uh, 17, I actually started driving myself to a local boxing club 
and um, took it seriously competitive-wise. And, you know, I had to do it for myself because um, nobody else would do it for me. And Salem, you were born in Mexico, but you pretty much grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, how, how was that for you? Well, um, I was born in Hermosillo, Sonora. Um, when I was uh, five years old, my parents brought me back to brought me here to the United States, and um, I, was, I grew up here in Phoenix, Arizona, undocumented. You know, it's 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 very hard growing up here without being able to to do a lot of things because you don't have a citizenship. I couldn't go to any national tournament. I, my parents were always afraid to travel. Um, you know, we went through the whole thing here in Arizona with SB 1070, which was racial profiling and, and deporting a lot of families here in, in Arizona. And it was, it was, it was scary, you know, um, luckily, you know, I was pretty good in boxing. So I was able to leave the country and, you know, come back with a sports visa and enter the United States legally. And, and now I'm actually a, um, here legally. So um, it's been a tough road being undocumented, but it's it was all worth it. Absolutely. Excellent story. And you've been a pro now for almost five years, which I was pretty surprised about when I learned that. You've not been that active during that time. Uh, what's been the reason behind the kind of stop-start well, um, I turned pro and I debuted under Sanford Promotions. Um, you know, they they kept me as busy as they could, but I ne- I was never happy. It was a, it wasn't enough for me. And then um, once our contract ended in 2018, um, you know, I I believe it was 2019 actually. Um, our contract ended and I decided not to sign again. And I was without a promoter for quite some time. So, you know, Golden Boy came around and uh, messaged me about, you know, uh, fighting with them. And it's been, you know, I've been blessed to have a, a great promoter have my back. And and sometimes it's just it's just really difficult, not only for female fighters, but for fighters everywhere, you know, just to get fights. Some of us don't have those big platforms or those big backgrounds. And, um, you know, I just have to keep on digging and working on it and, now I'm I'm doing well. I'm working under the Golden Boy banner, and and I feel blessed. Yeah, no, it is going very well. It seems that way from the outside looking in. Uh, you've you've risen up through the ranks. Your I guess big, uh, you know, big fight. Your first big fight, I should say, was was that one back in October against Marlon Esparza. Um, Esparza was an old rival of yours from the amateurs, of course. Tell me um, about that fight back in October briefly, which was, of course, the last time we seen you in a pro ring. Well, you know, I, I fought in February, and then the pandemic hit, and everything was just, you didn't know what was going to happen. One day I received a call. Um, Marlon and I were actually supposed to fight later on, not so soon. You know, but the opportunity came. Golden Boy wanted to make a solid comeback with a solid card, and and so the fight was offered, and and I took it. You know, um, I lost. Um, I got outboxed, outsmarted in the ring. You know, I I learned a lot. I own up to my loss. I know a lot of things that I did wrong in that fight, and um, I mean, I, I you can say that I I've grown from it. I've learned a lot from it, and it made me a better boxer. 
So I can't wait to get back into the ring and, and show everybody that, you know, I'm I'm coming back stronger and I've improved. Yeah, and there's no shame as well in losing to Esparza, who I think is one of the top uh, female fighters right now. Um, I want to ask you this as well, Salem. When you spar, do you mainly spar with other girls or do you spar the guys mostly? Well, mostly I have uh, I spar uh, young men that are around my weight, around my size. Um, it's it's very tough having women to spar. Um, once I get closer to fight time, you know, I start traveling and and looking for female sparring because at the end of the day, the timing is different and the styles are different. Um, so I feel like I I do need that work from uh, you know women in the sport. It gets tough, it gets difficult, but it has to be done. And luckily, it's a growing sport. So we have a lot of girls up and coming through the amateurs, a lot of pros, and they're all willing to help each other. So that's, you know, the good thing. Yeah, and you you said it perfectly there. Women's boxing is growing tremendously. Um, It's on the rise. Do you look up to any female fighters right now or not so much? Of course, of course. I mean, I'm... I'm a big advocate in supporting other women. Katie Taylor is one of my favorites. Amanda Serrano, you know, um, I hopefully, hope that fight happens someday. Um, Clarissa Shields, Michaela Mayer, you know, all these women, they're all doing such a great job. Um, my stablemate, Sinisa Estrada, she's a really good friend of mine. Um, I admire a lot of these women, and um, I hope that, you know, I can become champion like them one day. Um, also, one of my favorites growing up Ana Maria Torres and Jackie Nava they they opened up women's boxing in Mexico tremendously because of their you know two fights that they had so um I think we're going to keep on growing and and the only way we can do that is if we support one another also yeah, no, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of women's boxing. Like I say, I've had uh, many women on this show now, and I always try my best to promote women's boxing when I can, when there's a good fight. I will always mention it to the listeners. Um, one of the bad things about women's boxing being on the rise is that um, it's probably in one of the best places it's, it's ever been right now. You're one of the most spoken about female boxers on social media with that in this man's sport with these many boxing fans that are men, you do unfortunately come across some creepy guys online and stuff like that. I've heard a lot of girls saying they've they've received creepy messages and stuff like that over social media. <laughs> Have you been a victim of that as well, Salem? I think I think regardless whether you're you're an athlete or not, women uh, just receive those random messages online all the time. Um I think it's people have gotten a little too comfortable behind their screens, you know, and feel like they can say whatever they like. Um, so a little bit of, of morals have gone out the window, but um, you just have to, you know, ignore those messages and turn the page. Is there any that that have stuck in your mind? Have you what's like the weirdest one? <laughs> uh, um, actually, yesterday I received one. Of somebody who I have no clue who it is, who um, had me blocked, and it said, tell her that I know she talks a lot of crap about me and this and that and that I hate her. And I'm like, who? Tell who and who are you? Like, I'm really, really confused. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> and then um, there's, a, there's a lot of sexual 
um, messages also, but you just ignore them. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Like I say, it comes with it, unfortunately. A lot of women have to deal with this kind of stuff, which isn't right, but until they make people Mm -hmm. sign up to social media with identification is something that I feel is going to continue to happen, unfortunately. But anyways, moving moving on. Um, Your upcoming fight is set for July 9th in California as part of that Ramirez-Barrera undercard. You'll be challenging for the WBA flyweight world title against the reigning champion, who's also a five-weight world champion, Naoka Mm -hmm. Fujioka. Um, Tell me what you know about this lady and her impressive achievements, it it has to be said. Well, uh, like you said, she's five-time world champion. She's been around for a long time. She's fought anybody and anybody, anywhere. Um, she's very talented. She's an aggressive boxer. She likes to bully her opponents, you know. Um, she likes to entertain. And um, we're fighting on July 9th. I'm extremely excited to be fighting her because, you know, at the end of the day, she's a legend in this sport. Uh, she's a Japanese woman wanting to live her dream of coming to the United States uh, to fight, and it's coming true on July 9th. The only thing is I'm going to be the world, new world champion. So I'm extremely excited about it, and you know I've been training really hard for it. And my next question, I'm going to put you on the spot a tiny bit here, but we like to ask this question to everyone we speak to from overseas, Salem, so you can't escape it. <laughs> who who <laughs> springs to mind when I ask, who's your favorite UK fighter? It can be male or female. It can be absolutely any era. Y- you tell me, who springs to mind when I ask you that question? Uh, there's so many greats. I don't know. I mean... <laughs> I think uh, Ricky Hatton. Ricky Hatton, he's um, he's just great. And the fan base that he brought with him and, you know, the time that he was around, I believe, you know, boxing was at a very high point. Um, I also love Terry Harper. You know, she's, she's one that's doing uh, great work right now. Um, she's, you know, Eddie Hearn is moving her the right way, and I hope that she recovers well and, and I want to see her in those big fights unifying the division. You know, she's hungry for it. Um, there's there's quite a few, but, you know, those are the two that come to the top of my head right away. No, absolutely. Two fantastic names. Terry Harper getting a mention as well is something I'm on board with. And just finally, Selim, before we wrap it, uh, wrap it up, um, I just want to throw the microphone over to you, so to speak. If you've got any closing words, I'm sure you get a lot of support and stuff like that uh, from the UK. If you've got a closing message to your fans in the UK, also give them your, your social media handles if, if anyone isn't following at the minute they can follow. And also, uh, merchandise. If, if merchandise can be bought and sent to the UK, give us the details on that as well. Well, um... First off, to all my fans in the UK, thank you so much. I truly appreciate all of you. Um, I'm just a, a Mexican girl trying to uh, make it in boxing, and and I appreciate every single one of you. I appreciate everyone that supports women in the ring, and um, you know we're gonna keep on working to improve it, become world champions. Um, as far as my uh, social media handles, I just keep it simple at Sulem Urbina. And uh, for merchandise, actually, we're working on something and releasing something at in my website at sulemurbina.com. It isn't quite ready, but 
it will be soon and of course we can always work something out through mail to the uk excellent stuff well there we go like i say if you're not already following sulem it is sulem urbina across all platforms that is s-u-l-e-m u-r-b-i-n-a and again you can go on sulemurbina.com where you can find merchandise soon wait for that it will be fantastic i think i've seen a couple of little uh, pictures of what it's going to look like and that already excites me but listen Sulem, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you thank you so much for your time and i hope that the next time we speak on the phone you've got a nice new shiny belt around your waist oh thank you thank you so much hope to speak to you soon and like you said hopefully you're speaking to a world champion that time <laughs> Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Um, I'm going to start here with a piece of news that broke um, last week, just after we we put the show out. Oscar Valdez has signed a new multi-fight contract with Top Rank. It looks like his future will be with them. Um, I like that partnership anyway, so I wish him all the best. Good guy is Oscar Valdez, who, of course, is coming off that excellent win last time out. The unbeaten interim WBA super featherweight champion Chris Colbert, he takes on the hard-hitting um, Tuckstock Niambiar. That's the guy that lost to Gary Russell Jr. He's a good fighter, though. That one's going to be Saturday, July the 3rd. Um, I think it was supposed to be Gamboa originally, but he's pulled out and insteps this guy here. Um... Moving on to the preview part of the show now, let's start at the Bolton Whites Hotel. It's going to be tomorrow evening, Friday, June 25th. Over here on the undercard, we have Indabasi, 2-1. and one. Uh, He's in a four-rounder against Chris Attaway, 10-70 and 70 with four draws. Uh, Gary Cully, 12-0, and 0, in a big step up, really, against Viriel Simeon, who... Um, has a record of 22 and 5, doesn't really win when he steps up in level. You know, he's lost to the likes of Shakur Stevenson, Lee Selby, and a few others off the top of my head. Um, I think he also boxed Scott Quigg, if I'm not mistaken, but he loses a lot of the time when he steps up. However, Gary Cully hasn't yet proved he's on that level, so that's a good fight. I'm looking forward to that one. A brilliant light heavyweight domestic dust-up between Josea Burton, 25-2, and two, in a 10-rounder against Liam Conroy, 18-6, and six, with a draw. Elsewhere on the card, quite a poor fight, to be honest, between Paul Butler, former world champion, 32-2. and two. It's for the vacant WBO international bantamweight title against Willie Baldo, um... Garcia Perez, who boasts a record of 12-4 and four with a draw. I think it might be a late replacement, a Mexican fighter here. Um, honestly, it is not the kind of level that Paul Butler should be in with. I think he knows that himself. I had him on the show, and I said, you know, what's what's really been going on? You, you haven't boxed at the top level for a long time, and I've got a count now. This will be his... First, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh fight since losing to Emmanuel Rodriguez back in May of 2018. It's been a slow three years for Paul Butler. Looks like his best days could perhaps be behind him. And return to the ring for former world title challenger um, Jay Harris, 18-1 and in a 12-rounder against Ricardo Sandoval, who has an identical record, 18-1. and The fighter from California, USA. Should be a good fight. Hearing some good stuff about this guy, to be honest with you. His loss early on came in a four-rounder. It was a majority decision against an undefeated fighter, so... 
Do you know what? He's got a shout of being undefeated still. So that could be quite interesting there. Moving out now, though, to the Arena Alcade in Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico. Over here, um, no opponent just yet, but we have... The undefeated prospect, 11-0, Diego Pacheco. No opponent just yet, like I say. Uh, the main event on that one, Julio Cesar Martinez, 17-1, takes on Joel Cordova, who's 12-4 with two draws. That's over 12 rounds there for the WBC flyweight world title. Um, you know, it's it's a Eddie, Eddie Hearn and Canelo fight card, this one on the zone. It's, it's the first of their, I think, three or four fight nights that they're going to be putting on. But to be honest with you, this is quite a poor card, to to, to, to be frank. Um, Joel Cordova, I don't see anything he can do to cause any problems there to Martinez. Um, he's been stopped a couple of times in those four losses. So, yeah, I can't see him doing anything there. Bit of a poor one. That'll be on the zone. Moving out now to the best card of the weekend for me. A few names on the bill. Ledwan Barthelemy, 16-1 with a draw. He's an eight-rounder against Victor Slavinsky, who's 12-0 with a draw. Carlos Adames, 19-1 in a 10-rounder against Alexis Salazar, who's 23-3. Batir Akhmadov, 8-1. Of course, he lost in that one fight to Mario Barrios in a fight where he was probably winning until he got dropped, I think, in the in the dying seconds. And that cost him. That 10-8 round cost him the fight. On my card, anyway. He gets in against former world champion and wily veteran Argenis Mendez, 25-6 and six with three draws. Elsewhere on the card, Erickson Lubin, 23-1 and one in a 12-rounder against former world champion Jason Rosario, 20-2 and two with a draw. His record, that's for the WBC Silver Super Welterweight title. And the main attraction... Mario Barrios, 26-0, good friend of the show, really nice guy, in a 12-rounder against a man stepping up to 140 in the shape of Javante Tank Davis, 24-0, both men's combined records, 50-0, it's for the WBA World Super Lightweight title, this is a fight I've been looking forward to for a long, long time, um, ever since it got made. I mean, it was the best fight, I think, on that Showtime schedule that they announced a couple months ago. What a fight. Um, I can't move on from this card without coming to you, Eddie. Erickson Lubin against Jason Rosario and Mario Barrios against Javante Davis. Can Javante still be a massive problem up at 140, a weight that really, height-wise, he has no business at? Honestly, um, I know a lot about being a shorter man and still being effective. And with his explosive power and speed, he can definitely still be effective. But even though it's only five pounds, sometimes the power doesn't quite carry as much. But I do fully expect him to be able to still land shocking shots, even at that weight Javante Davis I'm talking about. And as far as the uh, co-main, which is Erickson Lupin and, and, um, and Rosario, I like it. I like your contrasting styles. I like I like um, the fact that the you know the the, the big punching uh, banana banana right. That's the name. That's what they call him. Yeah. Just make trying to make sure I'm remembering the right name. But he's uh, he's a big puncher, tough. But I really I like Erickson Lupin. I like his boxing style. I like how he really he's really he's a, he's a pro's pro in my opinion. When I look at him, you know what I'm saying? Like he he's accurate with his shots. He doesn't really waste a lot. He also doesn't really take unnecessary punishment. Really, really crafty. You know what I mean? Decent, decent, uh, 
pop and, and sharp, you know, good speed. I like I like him as a fighter. I've always liked him as a fighter since I started watching him. So I'm I'm looking forward to that fight. I think the contrast and styles will be will be nice. See which one wins over him. But I'm I'm pretty much gonna go with Lubin. I think he can out I think he can outbox and be you know out quick him you know just a little bit too crafty for him. I feel. But hey, I was wrong about Julian and him and the other guys. So <laughs> I don't know. It can uh. It can uh, change real quick. You know what I mean? That power changes things. You know, it tends to change things. Yeah, we shall see. Showtime pay-per-view. I will find a way to watch it over here. It's a brilliant, brilliant main event and chief support. Uh, moving out now, though, to another one that I think is going to clash time-wise, unfortunately, with that show at the Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas, Nevada. Over here, the return of Vasily Lomachenko, 14-2, and coming off that loss last time out to Tiafimo Lopez back in October. He takes on Masayoshi Nakatani, 19-1, and a man who also has a loss to Tiafimo Lopez. And he's a bit of a star, um, in my eyes, Nakatani, after stopping Felix Vidal. Uh, the the murdering um, the, the, well I should say the man accused of murder I don't think it's been uh, it's been proven just yet but it doesn't look good um, so yeah so, so so all the best there to Vasil Lomachenko who again is going to be giving away a lot of height advantage there um, he's going to be the much smaller guy um, on the undercard we get to see Zanabek Alim Kanuli who's 9-0 good amateur in a 10 rounder against a man that we're going to be speaking to in a few moments Rob Brandt 26-2 former WBA middleweight world champion that's over 10 rounds there um, elsewhere on that card Guido Vianello the Italian heavyweight prospect, sparring partner of Tyson Fury, 7-0 with one draw. He's in against Marlon Williams, who's 6-1. That's it for that one. The final card to mention is a card that takes place on Sunday at the Minneapolis Armory in Minnesota, USA. Over here, friend of the show, Alontes Fox, in fight number 31. He's 27-2 with a draw. He's in a 10-rounder against Manny Woods, who's 17-11 with a draw. Again, that's over 10 rounds there. All the best to my good pal there Mr. Lontes Fox but that is it though for the preview part of the show in part one we did the reviewing and we brought you the first guest which was Sulem Urbina the uh, the very highly spoken of prospect female fighter and in part two we brought you the news and the preview part of the show the final thing for me to do just before we wrap up is to welcome our second and final guest on this week's podcast Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA middleweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Rob Brandt. Rob, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, it's a pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to have you on, Sir Rob. It's the first time you've been on this show. I feel like you you really announced yourself to the world when you you know you pulled off that win uh, back in October 2018. Of course, some of the more hardcore fans knew you from before that. Some people tuned in when you signed up to the World Boxing Super Series. But just tell me about that 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 most special night for you that, like I say, took place in in October 2018. Tell me about the night you became world champion, champ. You know, it was a it was a wonderful experience. It was something that I always knew uh, going in that I would I would definitely beat Murata. Um and you know that, that self confidence really uh, pushed me through. Um, you know, ever since watching him coming out of the Olympic Games, I always looked at his style and said that uh, that's that's someone that I'll beat if I ever stood across from him. So it was uh, it was definitely something special to uh, when it finally you know came to fruition, and we uh, stood in front of each other and I and I got the win. 
And when you boxed as an amateur, Rob, you boxed and beat a hell of a lot of good fighters. When you turned pro, though, I don't feel like you had that buzz around you that your amateur career should have projected onto your pro career. I feel like you you took the difficult road. It took a long time for people to start getting behind you worldwide. Is that is that fair to say you didn't really have it easy early on, Rob? You know, I was uh, you know, I credit myself on the on the hard work that we had to put in. Um, you know, I wasn't a, a front runner coming out of the amateurs, which you know it, it doesn't bother me at all. But uh, you know, going forward, I just knew that uh, you know I had to had to earn my spot in the sport, which is something that I, that I stand behind today. That you know, um, you know, boxing is a very what have you done for me lately sport. So you have to continue to to prove your worth in the game, which uh, which brings me to uh, this coming this upcoming Saturday night. Which is, uh, you know, I gotta gotta prove why you should still be on the top level. And yeah, you mentioned it there. The fight's locked in for this weekend against the undefeated uh, Zaninek Alim Alim Kanoli, I think it said. Could be saying that completely wrong. Hey, you're better than I am at pronouncing that one. <laughs> but what do you know about this this guy in front of you here, Rob? Obviously, a, a tough fighter, a good amateur like yourself. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's an accomplished amateur. You know, there seems to be you know getting pushed very hard. You know, similar to. I believe he's managed by the same manager uh, that Lomachenko has, and, and they had some great success in pushing him very early. So I think that it's definitely, uh, you know, it, there, there's, there's a, you know, you're not, you're not losing anything at all. He's definitely no gift. You know, he's a, he's a solid fighter, and I'm, uh, I'm excited to be in there with him. And he uh, hasn't really boxed anyone as a pro of note yet. This is a big, big step up for him in competition. You are the underdog, which I thought was kind of crazy. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time in your career that that's the case. I know it's something that you're very comfortable with. Um, what can we, as fans, expect to see from you come Saturday, Rob? You know, uh, ever since I've been with B&B uh, you know, uh, and, and Brian McIntyre as my trainer, um, you know, you see a lot of growth in terms of the, uh, you know, you still have the, you know, the, the punch count, but a lot more intelligence behind the things that I'm throwing. So, um, you know, you get to see uh, more boxing at the top level and reason why that I uh, earned my spot to be in uh, one of the top middleweights. Yeah, and I really like what they're doing in that gym. Obviously, you know, with, with Terence Crawford, it speaks for itself. But the way Jamel Herring, for example, has improved and come on leaps and bounds, um, it, you know, improvements, improvement-wise, it's amazing to see. Obviously, you've joined that camp now. Everything's looking good. I like what they're doing with Maurice Hooker, even though, you know, he, he wasn't... Um, uh, fortunate last time out. I still like the way he fought for those rounds against Virgil Ortiz. So I love what they're doing in the gym. Huge respect to Bomac and and Red. Um, what is the goal for you now moving forward, Rob? I'm guessing it's to regain a world title of some sort. Is there a plan in place to achieve this? You know, I, I'm I'm sure that uh, Bomac has has a plan for all that. But I'm a, I'm a fight by fight type of uh, athlete. You know, I, I, none of those plans happen unless you win on what you have in front of you. So I'm, uh, I'm just fully focused on, on uh, Genebec right now. But, uh, I mean, of course, the, the, the plan is always to, to regain the title. That's, that's what I want. That's what we're going for. And that's what we're doing this for. But and, uh, none of that happens if I win on Saturday. And obviously the middleweight division has been a red-hot division now. Well, for a long time, but certainly in recent years, it's been a fantastic division. We haven't always... Uh, had the opportunity as fans to see the best fight the best. Um, you know, you've got great champions out there like, obviously, Murata, Charlo, Andre Golovkin. Did you happen to see Charlo's performance on the weekend? If so, do you have a reaction for it? 
Yeah, you know, he uh you know, he was he definitely, you know, won the fight. You know, but uh, the the dude was uh, had a lot of heart and he gave him everything that he uh you know, he was uh better than expected. You know, he he took a he took a lot of good shots, stayed in there, stayed in front of him and fought the entire 12. You know, I have a lot of respect for his, uh, for his opponent in that. Is there a I thought that uh, Charlo Sorry, looked, Rob, looked great. But, uh, oh, no, my apologies. Um, I thought Charlo looked great. But uh, I think that, you know, his, his opponent fought like it was the fight of his life. And it certainly was. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Absolutely. Um, is there a champion out of those four that I mentioned, Rob? Obviously, Marata, Charlo, Andre, Golovkin, that you... I know, again, I know that you're concentrated on this man in front of you Saturday. I don't want you to overlook that in any way, shape, or form. But is there, is there any of those four guys that you most fancy a matchup with? I mean, of course, it's going to be Murata. I mean, seeing as how we are both one-on-one. Um, it's the first I know that I beat. I felt like I won 13, uh, 13 rounds out of, the, out of the 14 that we fought. And that's definitely uh, something I, you know, I kind of want that redemption, so to speak. Okay, exciting stuff for the future. And finally, my my last real question for you, Rob. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Should have warned you before we went on air, but here we go. Favorite UK fighter, Rob, any era. It can be a guy still boxing today. It can be a guy who retired 350 years ago. You make up the rules. Who springs to mind when I ask that question? Favorite UK uh, fighter? You know, one of my favorite fighters of all time was, was, was Gerald McCullen. So I have to give a lot of uh, respect to Nigel Benn. Um, uh, I'm gonna say favorite overall, um, in his class and the way he did things. I, I like Lennox Lewis. Okay. You know, he's a he's a fighter that's uh, you know, he's, he's he's a lot of people's favorites. I know it's it's kind of a it's a cliche answer, but I mean the, the man handles himself so well in and outside of the ring, both that you can't help but be a fan of him. Yeah, I agree. You can't help but love Lennox and Nigel Ben, obviously a, a you know a, a favorite over here. And just finally, Rob, before we let you go, if you've got any closing words, you will know firsthand, I'm sure, that UK fans are arguably the best boxing fans in the world. They support guys from all over. They respect everyone that steps in the ring. I'm sure you've received a lot of love from guys over here. What's your message in particular to your fans that support you from this side of the pond? Hey, that uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of not just British boxers, but the but the UK, uh, the fan base in general. Uh, all the all my favorite fights I've ever been to have been uh, a lot of uh, UK fighters because of the fans and the energy that they bring. So just you know keep that up in the sport. You know it's it's great for the uh, for the sport of boxing and makes for a phenomenal event to go to whenever you have a, the the UK fan base there. I'm sure they'll appreciate those words, Rob. We need to have you in the UK someday. But listen, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Best of luck for Saturday, and I hope we can speak sometime afterwards. I appreciate it. Absolutely, sir. I appreciate that. Okay, and this wraps up episode 297 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's podcast, the former WBA middleweight world champion, Rob Brandt, and of course, the female flyweight contender, Sulem Urbina. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thanks once again for tuning in this week. There has been one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show. A heavyweight clash has been made between the unbeaten prospect Michael Polite Coffee and former world title challenger Gerald Washington. That one is set to take place on July 31st in Newark, New Jersey. That's a good fight there. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.